Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Yeah. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, still working with uh, having a new dog and everything. Um, sure. Yeah. It's it's exciting, but also kind of frustrating because you know it's you know it's a new animal and she's nervous and uh still you know she's still not super confident in everything at home. Sure. You know, like she's sure. yeah, where we we have to like you know we're 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 having trouble getting her to eat all of her food. Like we can get her to eat. It's just, it's just a bit of a hassle. It's not, she's not like going over to her bowl and eating her food by herself yet. Sure. She's still just a little uneasy, but you know, we, we, we can get her to eat. Like she's not going to starve or nothing. It's just, it's just, just give her like a slice of pizza. (laughs) Well, I mean like there are certain things she loves. Like we get, we cut up little bits of hot dog and use that for like training and stuff. And she loves that. But like her normal food, I think, I think she just doesn't like hard food. Like we might have to go like a much softer food for her. Sure. Which it's kind of rough. And then like, because she's a chihuahua and like chihuahuas have like dental issues. And part of that oh. reason why is I think they don't like to chew things. As, I think because of their small mouths, they have a harder time chewing the yeah. harder stuff. So it's less like they're less likely to like work the plaque off of their teeth themselves. So I like, I got to make sure to brush her teeth all the time. And sure. You know, so like, I, I think I just got to find a, some sort of, uh, you know, wet food or soft food or something that she can eat that she'll, you know, she won't mind eating. Sure. Um, but I mean, all in all good. She's really, she's very calm and quiet most of the time. And she's a, she's an affectionate sweetheart. So we're having a, we're, we're having a blast having a dog. Cool. It's just, you know, the, all the little extra things that come with it. So yeah, it'll, I'm sure after in a few months, you'll, uh, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. everything will be settled in and it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah, once I once I find the kind of food she likes and she gets used to it and all all the other stuff will kind of fall into place and we'll just have to, you know, play it by ear from there. Yeah. So, but we're very happy. So cool. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. My dog is a huge wimp. <laughs> the other day was the fourth of July, and for several days before and several days after, he's been uh he's been a big wimp. He's been hiding in the basement quite a bit. Oh no. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's he's a yeah he's a giant wimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We lucked out. We don't have too many people around here f- shooting off fireworks. Like, there's some in the you can hear it off in the distance, but nothing mm-hmm. nothing crazy nearby. So, like, she would like perk her ears up, but that'd be about it. Sure. We um uh we have a couple neighbor we have some neighbors that live two houses down, and they used to every year do like an awesome fireworks display. They would just light off a ton of fireworks, and we could just sit in our backyard and and watch them. But uh, the, this year and last year, they didn't do any. So, hmm. I mean, <sighs> I, I, I think like the, I mean, the prices of the stuff has gone up too. Like, oh sure. Uh, my my parents, uh, their 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 place in, um, uh, on the west side of the state. They like their neighbor, like two two houses down. Like, I was I was over there for during the Fourth of July, and they set off like crazy shows. Sure. Um, it was like, you know, I don't know. It was probably, it was probably like 
up there with like you know any like professional show you would go to like a fair to see it was ridiculous but they were also saying that like yeah like you know they didn't get as many as they normally do because it's just so so much more expensive the last couple years sure so that's that's possible and then like you know more more places are are trying to like make it harder for people to throw throw those kind of shows yeah I, i can understand that yeah, it's not goes, exactly a safe thing to do. Right, it's not a safe thing to do, and it scares a ton of animals. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like you know, it's it's cool, it's fun. I get it, but it's yeah, like it's it's it can be incredibly dangerous and destructive and disruptive. Sure. So, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you want to go ahead and uh, get into this episode? Sure. Okay, so I want you to imagine that you have ventured out into the desert. Okay. Because supposedly there's some big thing of riches hidden out in the desert somewhere. Ooh. And so you're going along, you're going along, and you're walking through, you go to walk, and you realize you are stuck. Oh, Not shoot. only are you stuck, but you are sinking into the de- into the sand. Oh, no. Uh, Give me a athletics check what would the check be to get out of this this uh strange phenomenon that i am am not naming just yet for some reason Uh this fast desert ground sure i think athletics sounds sounds right i'll go with that give me an athletics check oh wow that's the lowest (laughs) three (laughs) that's the lowest this die has given me in a long time so jeff i've got some good news and i've got some bad news okay um, I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is you have sunk into the quicksand and uh, uh-huh. you're, you're terrified. However, the good news is because if if I learned anything from The Rise of Skywalker, it's that when you fall into quicksand, you land in an underground cavern that is just empty, is not full, filled with sand. Somehow you <laughs> right. land in an intact cavern and that's where you've landed uh-huh. and you look around you and you found the treasure, Jeff. Around you is gold. You see rubies. <laughs> you see diamonds. Uh-huh. And then you also see a big skeleton with wings and a tail and it looked like it had scales when it was alive. And you realize why this treasure is here. And you do you know why that is, Jeff? Why is that, Gabe? Because you have found the dragon's horde. <laughs> So today's magic item was submitted by Arcanist Winterbrand via email, and the item is the Mineral Water of Ord. So uh, I think I mentioned last time that Arcanist Winterbrand submitted a few potions or a few like consumables that yeah. we were probably going to be covering over uh, the next few episodes, and this is the next one. Cool. Collected from a blessed spring near Mount Ord on the <laughs> elemental plane of Earth. This magical water when embodied... What? I'm sorry. Now keep going. Okay. This magical water when imbibed, your skin begins to shimmer like light passing through a crystal prism. It also grants a power, a portion of the power and durability from the mountains found there. For the next hour, your AC is increased by three and your unarmed strikes now do 1d8 bludgeoning damage. Ooh. If you have a feature that already grants a greater die for unarmed strikes, add an additional d4 to each unarmed strike instead. Nice. Your speed is also reduced by one half for the duration. And at the end of the hour, you also suffer one level of exhaustion due to the taxing nature of the effects. Mm. 
So it's a potion. It's pretty, you know, it's got some costs to it. But while you're while you're gaining the benefits, plus three to AC and increased on arm strike damage. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's just yep. like a, a, a bon like a flat bonus to your HC. Are there yep. bonus types in fifth edition? Not really, because there aren't many things that add to your AC. Most things just give you an AC in place of your armor. So like, right. like natural okay. armor, uh, your you know scale mail or whatever those sorts of things just give you a flat amount plus your dexterity modifier, and then that's it. Right. Okay. So this this would this would be something that you could stack. Probably with other, yeah. With uh, yeah. with your normal armor and stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's actually really like. I mean, you know, that'd be cool on the that'd be cool to use on basically anybody, but like you know, sure. like the extra D four if you're like a monk or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's really awesome. I'm wondering, so I guess there, there's one of two ways to do this. So one of the ways is if you use this potion, you're not a monk. If you're just like a fighter or whatever, maybe you would want to, instead of attacking with your sword or whatever, just punch enemies because it might do roughly the same amount of damage or more depending on the weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering though, if maybe, if there's any way to to rationalize this item, increasing the damage die or giving an additional D4 to any melee attacks and not just unarmed attacks. Okay. Like, is there a way that you could visualize this, you know, might of the, the mountains or whatever, increasing your damage with like a sword or an ax or something? I See, what came to my mind was like this sort of like crystal prism shimmering stuff. Like, cause I'm imagining you're, you're basically being like imbued with like, you're being turned into like a stone person kind of thing sure. in my head. Yeah. Or like, or like some, maybe like some like crystal, like crystal, um, growths are happening all over you or something. Yeah. That's kind of what I was picturing too. Like in dark souls, there are, yeah, there's some enemies and there's some equipment you can get that just have like crystals growing out of them. So like maybe the crystals grow over your weapon. So your weapon gets an extra D four, but is now just bludgeoning no matter what weapon you're using. Oh, okay. Okay. I can see that. Um, so yeah, like if you had a sword, it would, your sword would then become be covered with all these, you know, with this like stony crystal formation and sure. it becomes a bludgeoning weapon because there's no, you know, like there's no longer a blade. It's just a, it's basically you're waving around a stalactite or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you get a little extra damage, but it transforms it into bludgeoning, which sure. could be a good thing. It could be, I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe depends on what you're fighting. Yeah, the speed penalty is pretty hefty. Yeah. Um, so that, that would make it hard for someone who was a melee fighter to to get around in combat and to get to their enemy and attack them and stuff. It would make it a lot easier for enemies who realize how slow you are to just kite you around. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's that, that kind of sucks, but I'm wondering if, uh, if the increased AC and the extra, you know, damage or whatever is worth it. It might be. I mean, hey, drink it while you're within range of somebody, and then if they try to leave, you you uh, attack of opportunity. I guess that works, yeah. <laughs> I ooh, here's an idea. What if this gives you a bonus on grapple checks? Because when you grapple the enemy, they your crystals or stones start to grow around them. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, it could maybe ignore the movement penalty of grapple since you're already ha- at half speed. So like you can oh okay because when you're in fifth edition when you're grappling you you basically you just you can move people around pretty freely yeah 
Um, but yeah. but you're at half speed. And but you're, you're saying with this, you would just stay stay at half speed yeah. instead of going down to a quarter. Right. Yeah. So you just stay at half speed, but you know. Uh, so like yeah, you you maybe maybe yeah, you get some bonus to grapple or something, but mm-hmm. but you're also not you know losing even more you know speed just because you're because you're um, you know you're so rooted to the ground with your with the the added like density or whatever. It's sure. like it's hard it's hard for the person the thing you're grappling to you know to slow you down. Yeah, I would I would also I would even give uh, a bonus to resist grappling. Or to resist, like, being pushed or tripped. Right, yeah. Because, again, you're kind of like, you're a mountain. You're rooted to the ground. Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's a... I can't... I can't remember. Like, I feel like there's, like, mountain stance or something in, like, earlier editions or in other in other games or something. Yeah. Where like, there'll be, like, a mountain stance fighter or monk or something that, like, basically just gives you, like, bonuses against being, you know, yeah, grappled and shoved and that whole sure. thing. Um, yeah, or like, or was there like, there was like the mountain dwarves or I mean, I think it was there like uh, a know, prestige d- class in, in third edition. Oh, uh, dwarven defender, dwarven defender. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. That was a prestige class that was all about just you stand in one spot and you don't let anybody pass you. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, in my mind, it'd be like a potion that kind of gives you some of, some of that kind of ability. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't necessarily need it, but I think flavor-wise, I, in my mind, although it's just described as it's a blessed spring that, you know, from this mountain on the <laughs> elemental plane of Earth. Sorry. I was I was just laughing at, at the beginning because it's just it's like a, it's just bottled water. <laughs> like, it's just. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, it's, it's like Evian it or like it's Fiji or something. <laughs> like, sure. It's encased in a, in a flexible, clear material that, yeah. That, 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 and then. That, and then you get into the back room and you see somebody just sitting there with a hose and the hose is connected to the elemental plane of water and it's just <laughs> filling up the bottles. <laughs> the hose. Oh, jeez. But I was just thinking that, you know, I, I, I'm going to imagine that in this water, if you were to like look at it under a microscope or a spyglass or whatever, you'd actually see it's got like tiny little crystals in the water mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. Maybe yep. it doesn't need that. But. Yeah, don't drink that. I'll cut you up. Well, yeah. Or it's like there's a bunch That's, of like tiny like microscopic like earth elementals like swimming ooh, around. <laughs> there you go. Like in in uh, on the Simpsons when in Itchy and Scratchy, uh, Scratchy chops up Itchy a whole bunch of times, and then chops up the pieces, then chops up pieces again until he's a fine uh, dust, like a fine powder. But then he inhales, and then you see all of the dust, all of the little bits of him turn into tiny Itchies inside him, and then start hacking away, and then he dies. Oh God. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where the level of exhaustion comes from, actually. You got the little earth elementals in there that are building stuff inside you. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, or, <laughs> or like in Futurama where he eats, where Fry eats the, wor- the, uh, the, egg, the egg sandwich. Sure. And sure. He's got the worms yeah. in him that are like building up his strength and stuff. But instead, it, but it's, instead, it's a bunch of little earth elementals that are like reinforcing your, your body. Sure. How many more <laughs> pop culture references can we make? It's like you're drinking the T-1000. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for this item. I, I think uh, yeah. that's, a, that's enough for this one. So once again, that was that was uh, the Mineral Water of Ord submitted by Arcanist Winterbrand. Thank you very much, Arcanist Winterbrand. So, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to be like Arcanist Winterbrand and they wanted to submit magic items for the Dragon's Horde, 
or stories for the funeral pyre or retirement village or questions for our main segment, how would they get those to us? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com or join us on our interparty discord at bit.ly slash interparty discord. That's correct. And before we go any further, we have a giveaway to give away today. As usual, we're giving away a copy of three supplements from Crit Academy, the Warmind, the Skybreaker, and the Werecat. And I think Justin is also including a few other uh, few other things along with those. So some great supplements in there, some options for players, some really cool stuff that they've made. So Jeff, who is the winner of these three or more supplements today? Today's winner is Michael T. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes, congratulations, Michael T. You should be getting this uh, within the next week. And... <laughs> He's actually a coworker of mine. He's been bugging me for a long time. Like, hey, uh, did you guys do the the drawing for the next episode? Yet? Did, I <laughs> did I win? Did I win? And, uh, how about now? How about now? <laughs> so but, finally, Mike. Uh, sorry it took so long, but woo, hey, them's the him. them's the dice, I guess. You got him. So yes, congratulations, Michael T. Uh, thank you, Justin, for facilitating this great giveaway. Once again, it's it's some great supplements made by the guys, at, the great people over at Crit Academy. Some great stuff. So. Uh, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to be like Michael T and they wanted to win a free copy of these player supplements, how would they enter the drawing? They can enter by sending us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with crit three in the subject line. Yes, that's correct. Um, and we're we're actually pretty low on entrance. So if you're out there and you want to win them, your chances are very good that you will win very soon. So please, please, please send us, uh, you know, send us that email so that we can enter you and then get you some cool stuff. Do you love Interparty Conflict? You know, the show you're listening to right now. Then check out their Patreon at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. You can help support the show and get tons of bonus content too. Access hundreds of outtakes, dozens of short stories, periodic updates about the behind the scenes of the show, personalized media, a monthly Roll20 game run by Gabe himself, and more. Every month, green and red tier patrons get access to the bonus podcast, Interpatron Conflict, where Gabe and Jeff cover a wide variety of topics. Join right now and access the most recent episode, which might sound a little something like this. Basically, you mix slime and sand together and it just kind of becomes like this. It's almost like a very um, airy, kneaded eraser. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, yeah. Or you like the, the, the erasers, you can just kind of pull them apart. It's like that, but like, like, you know, if you pull apart a kneaded eraser fine enough, it kind of becomes like really soft. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just like an extra like soft in, in like, like form of that. And it was like, it was interesting to play with. They were like, you know, molding stuff with it and everything. And it was kind of cool. And I was like, and I was just sort of like playing with them. Like, this is, this is kind of fun. And yeah. like, it was like, I was expecting, I was expecting like, if you pull it apart, it's just like chunks of sand are going to be falling out, but it was like staying together really well. So like. Apparently, the slime technology has gotten better since, since, okay. I've, since, I, since I had any. How do you improve on slime? <laughs> Apparently, you add sand to it. Once again, go to patreon.com slash interpartyconflict to help out the show and access all that bonus content today. And then one more quick thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy at CritAcademy.com. I believe when this episode goes out, their Kickstarter for Capes and Crooks 
should still be going on. I think it's still going on for a couple more weeks. So please check that out. They're like right at the middle. They haven't met their goal yet. So I think they're like halfway there or something like that. So please go check it out because it's a really cool supplement. There's some great stuff. And uh, yeah, I really want to see that succeed. So go check that out. The link will be in the show notes. But you can just go to Kickstarter and type in Capes and Crooks. So... Uh, yeah, check check out Crit Academy. Also check out Brute Force and Ignorance. They're an actual play podcast. Check out D&D Character Lab, where Garen and Dan made characters and debated whose characters were better. And then check out The Kind GM, which is another advice podcast as well. So check all those out. Great stuff on this network. Enough of all the admin. Let's get into some questions, Jeff. So I feel, I feel like these two questions go pretty well together. In fact, we mm-hmm. might even want to cover them at the same time. It's up to you. Sure. Um, yeah, well, we can just kind of we'll we'll transition to the other one pretty sure, sure, pretty easily. All right. Our first question comes from Jason E on Discord, and they ask, "What are the spells that never really get used either by players or DMs? Why is that? And have you ever found new uses for them?" Yeah. So I kind of just went through the player's handbook, and I I looked at the lists of spells. Mm-hmm. And there are a good handful of spells that I have never used myself. Right. And I've never seen anybody else use. There's a couple of them that I have that like I've seen them used, but it they're for situations that I feel just don't ever come up. Right. So, yeah, we can we can just talk about some of them if we want to. I think uh at least with mine there will be like kind of a theme with with why I think a lot of them don't get used. Sure. You know. Okay. So, yeah. Um, you want me just to to just go down my list? I yeah, guess? yeah. See if any, because I got a, I got a few tabs open for for a list. Here. Sure. So uh, the first one that I have, I I was going, you know, basically by cantrips up to higher level spells. <laughs> um, the spell friends, it's a cantrip. Uh huh. And it's basically like a, it's kind of like a really short term charm person. Yeah. Let me actually see exactly how what the duration is. I think it's just like a, it's like a minute or a round or something. Um, oh, sorry, it's just advantage on charisma checks. Actually, yeah, uh, it's it it gives you an advantage on charisma checks for up to a minute. However, the thing about this spell is that once the spell is over, which again is at max a minute, it becomes hostile to you. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, h- how many situations are you going to be in where you need this bonus? for a minute and then you're just going to book it away from whoever this NPC is. I don't know. I I feel like I like this spell. I had really? I had it I had it on one character and I used it a couple times. Yeah. I mean, I failed my rolls is the problem anyway. Sure. But like, you know, you get you get advantage, but that doesn't mean you're going to you're going to succeed. Um like but I I, th- I feel like like if you're just trying to get past a guard or something, Mm-hmm. You like you need to do something real quick. Like I feel like a somebody's just trying to like sneak in and grab something real quick, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I like it because it's a cantrip. Um, you know, like cantrips are just fun because you can just use them all the time. Sure. Um, in most case, and in most cases, that's you know, most cantrips are pretty decent. Um, I don't know. I like. I don't hate this one this much, but I, I see what you're saying though. Like, cause like it, like it is sort of you're putting you're you're putting a ticking time bomb on yourself. Sure. Um. Like yeah, cause you you could try to just charm the person, 
And if it does, or not charm the person, but, you know, just do normal diplomacy. Yeah, just do just do a normal diplomacy check. Like, you have advantage, so it's not like you're definitely going to be getting a better result than if you didn't use the spell. Mm-hmm. You're likely to get a better result. But if yeah. you roll high on your first, you know, if you just roll high on a regular check, then you get the exact same result as if you had the spell and, I don't know. It's just, it's a yeah. really costly spell. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it's it's rarely going to come up. But also, I think that I almost never see Charm Person get used either. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there are people that use it. But just personally, in my experience, most of the time when there's somewhere that we would have used Charm Person, we just use skill checks or something else that isn't going to be so outwardly hostile if it fails. Right. It's not going to take up a spell slot. It's not going to have yeah. a chance of backfiring. I mean, like... Normal diplomacy, I guess, can backfire if you fail bad enough, but like I it's suppose. hard to. It's, I feel like with with magic, it's m- like the DM's more likely to punish you if it fails. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, like with friends in particular, it specifically says that they become hostile and may like seek you out to exact revenge on you. Uh, right. Yeah. And yeah. with charm person, it says that they know that they were charmed after the spell ends. So. Hmm. I. Don't I know. I don't know. I think I'm just imagining it with like a specific character that I was using it on and like how she, like she was like neutral evil and just didn't care. <laughs> she's yeah. like, she wasn't like, you know, like I wasn't playing her as a villain evil kind of thing. More just like she was just selfish and just was like, I'm going to do what I want to get what I want kind of thing. Sure. Um. So like, and I, the, the couple times I used it, I used it on like some orcs, you know, that were, we were supposed to be fighting, but I was like, I'm going to try and, you know, I'm going to try and weasel my way out of this situation rather than fight. Sure. Um, so like, you know, I, I can see some cool, some cool ways to do it. Like, I feel like it's, it's kind of fun in like an, in a role playing way. Okay. Because it does like cause some issues. Like, you know, you're, you're going to get your party into trouble. Like, you know, they, I don't know, but it's, but it's also cantrip. So I feel like, like, I don't know because it's, because it specifically says they become hostile. It's, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um but I don't know, it's not it's not my least favorite but I could but I see but I see where where you're coming from as far as like it, like like it it's not something people would want to use. Yeah. Um there's actually a, another spell kind of along the same line is modify memory. Mhm. Um that's a spell that you know when you cast it you if the target fails you can change a memory or something, you know, you can modify their memory as the, as the, the title says. But although this one I think could be very, very useful, I've literally just, I've literally never seen it cast. But the reason being that I'm pretty sure it's a bard only spell and I've never played with someone who played a bard high enough level to get that spell. Ah, oh, but bard's so good. Um, yeah, that I, yeah, I, I was, when I was going through yeah the list of well as well, I was finding a lot of them were like, like yeah, bard, bard, and cleric spells only, and like, and I, I know it's like a handful of cleric spells. I think are like domain specific, or am I, maybe I'm thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of third edition. Um, uh, not sure. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, just like yeah, you don't, yeah, I don't know many. Uh, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, a lot of like high level play in general, but like specifically not something like a bard. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I have one. I'm basing this off of uh, memory on on reading the rules. Um, okay. 
identify. Okay. Now okay. I'm saying people use it. Yeah. But I'm feel I'm like I'm just like I'm thinking as far as like what are some bad spells, you know? Yeah. I I feel like identify is kind of useless in fifth edition. Cause yeah, because like, there's you can like attune yourself to an item and that tells you what it does. You can yeah, you basically get check. you can do an identify for free in like an hour in a in a short yeah. rest. And like the the best that identify would do for you is allow you to do it in one minute or ten minutes. But it would either way it would still cost you a hundred GP. Well, in actually, it doesn't use up the component. Oh, that's true. That's it true. used to. It definitely used to. It doesn't in fifth edition unless it says so. Um, but you still you still have to have it. You still have to have have spent that hundred gold once. Right. Yeah. You still need the uh, at least buy it. But I think you're right. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't use it up. Yeah. But still, like it's like why 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 take up a known spell or a spell slot when you could just on a short rest like okay. We just fought. We just fought a thing and got a magic item from it. All right. Well, I need like I need to get this back and rest up this way anyway. All right. Let me just attune to it while we're resting. Oh, I know what this yeah. is now. Like identify like, like it just because of that one rule. It, the identify spell just I feel like is almost pointless. Like I think, you know, if it if it gave you more than just like the stats, like if it if it told you more about it, yeah. Like if it, like if it like kind it's of history and stuff. Yeah. If it kind of gave like more like a background or yeah, like more like lore specific stuff about the item as well. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, there's another spell for that and it's fifth level. <laughs> right. So like, and and that's another theme of the, some of the ones I've picked is like, it's like, this is a, such a high level, like yeah. for what it does. Why would you pick that over a different spell on that level? You know? Sure. But yeah, so I, I, you know, I know I'm pretty sure plenty of people maybe go for identify, but like, I think, I don't think it's as useful, as useful as it should be in fifth edition. I I just, I think that the, um, there is a fun to be had in having what an item does be a mystery. However, the game isn't, it's, it's not really designed for that. And it's, it's, oh, each edition has made it easier and easier to identify items. So that's kind of a lazy, I don't mean this in a bad way. I mean, I don't necessarily mean this in a bad way, but it's kind of a lazy conflict. Like, oh, what does the item do? You have to you have to use it to find out what it does. And right, yeah. again, I can understand that. However, if that's what your conflict is, the game isn't really, they're more, the game is more interested in going and doing fun stuff instead of just ooh, what does this item do? So, so there are a lot of rules that have come up to be like, no, nah, you can figure out what it does just by doing this quick thing. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not against, I'm, I'm not fully against like them being able to just be like, okay, let's just let's let me just toy around with this for a while. Yeah. May, maybe have a check or something. Like maybe something could go awry. I don't know. Um, yeah. Or maybe when they do make a check or they do a tune to it or whatever. Tell them, oh, you can tell that there are properties of this that you aren't able to identify. And then they do have to use the spell for it. I sure. guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe like if it's a magic, if it's a magic sword, you can be like, you can, they can attune to it and be like, oh, it's a magic sword. And yeah. just say, like, it's like, it'll do something when, when you swing with it, you know, like, sure. you don't, but sure. you can't, don't tell them exactly. Um, I don't know. 
Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Like the yeah, that's not that's not as much. It, there's not as much excitement in ooh, what does it do as it used yeah. to be because like everybody kind of understands what enough people have played video games and RPGs to be like it's a magic sword. Okay, it, it makes it so I hit better. Sure, cool. <laughs> like, all right, can we go on? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are there's a handful of spells that I feel like never get used by players because they are basically like defending an area spells. Okay. Yeah. So for example, um, glyph of warding is one of them. You know, you put a symbol somewhere and then if if anybody sees it, bad things happen to them. Right. Um, Guards and wards is another one. Guards. Well, see alarm I feel is quick enough and it can be used when players, uh, when they rest, I thought about putting alarm on my list, but I decided not to. I've never used alarm, but yeah. I feel like lots of people do. Guards and wards is a much higher level version of that kind of a thing that is actually a very cool spell. And there's a lot of really cool things you can do with it. Yeah. However, unless you're the owner of the dungeon, it's not really going to benefit you. It's right. meant for people who are on the defensive. Right. <laughs> Forbiddance is a similar spell. Like you ward an area against certain types of creatures being able to enter it. And like, again, that's that's cool. And I could definitely see players encountering that, but they're rarely going to be the ones defending a dungeon against intruders. So mm-hmm. unless that comes up, it's... And even when it does come up, I feel like most of the time players are more interested in blowing stuff, you know, blowing up the intruders rather than, you know, this this obscure like seventh level spell or whatever it is. Right. Okay, so the the spell spiritual weapon is great. I'm yeah. uh, like people, a lot of people use it. It's a it's a great spell. I also I was looking up. There's a spell called arcane sword. Oh, is it like Mordenkainen's sword? Is that the the generic version of it? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Let me look it up. I, if it is, it, yeah, it's basically a spiritual weapon, but a much higher level. But a, yeah, it is. It is seventh level, uh, and it does three d ten force damage. Yeah, that, that's more than kind of sword, but the generic version. Yeah, so it's it's exactly the same, except for it does, um, three D three D ten force damage. Mm-hmm. However, if you did spiritual weapon, on, in a seventh level slot, actually you'd want to do because it's every two levels, so it'd be, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So you do three at at a sixth level slot of spiritual mm-hmm. weapon. You would do three d eight plus your spell casting modifier. Oh, that's better. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the difference here is that uh, arcane sword is only bards and wizards, and I don't think either. Of them, I don't think they have spiritual weapon as an option. Also, arcane sword is an action to cost or to cast. Spiritual weapon oh. is a bonus action. Well, yeah. When you first mentioned uh, uh, spiritual weapon, I was going to say one of the things that is so good about it is that it's a bonus action to cast. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh man, arcane sword. What are you doing? Right. So, but yeah, you're right. It's a spiritual weapon is is specifically a cleric, cleric spell. But I mean, but that's because clerics don't have a lot of like really quick and easy attack spells, whereas bards and wizards do. Right. So I mean, like I guess there is that, but like I don't know if you're gonna. I feel like I don't. I guess it's close enough, but it's such a big gap in the levels. Yeah. That it's no, like, I, I definitely think that Arcane Sword is is lackluster. I've never seen anybody use it. Right. Like at that at 
like if you're a bard or wizard that can cast seventh level spells, you're not casting you're not casting this spell. Yeah, no. You're, you're not you're casting gonna. like delayed blast fireball or something. So, yeah, something. Yeah, like you're not going to get this. Yeah. There are a bunch of illusion spells that I've never seen anybody use. Mm-hmm. Illusory script is one of them. Sure. S- yep. Similar to how like, you know, you're you're not going to be using spells that guard your dungeon against intruders because you're the one invading the dungeon. Similarly, I feel like it is exceedingly rare for even a wizard to need to guard their spell book against an intruder. And this isn't even specifically for spell books. It's more just for like, you want to hide the contents of this ancient tome. Players aren't really going to be the ones guarding the the tome's text against people reading it. So illusory script just creates fake text. And that, that that's like, that's like a low level skill challenge. That's not, Something that players are going to be, you know, creating. Right. What's another one? Um, Arcane Lock. Yeah, I thought about Arcane Lock. That one's kind of cool, though, because, like, it's, it's, I think it lasts forever, basically. It lasts until it's dispelled. And, like, oh, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's just like you could basically put a password on any lock, and then it also ups the DC of any lock by 10. Yeah. Which is, that's pretty good. And I think that's a, I don't know, I can't remember what spell level that is. Uh, I want to say it's second. Second level arcane lock. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like I've seen arcane lock used just because similar to alarm, you can use it to block a door that you're, while you rest. Yeah. Oh, it is a one action casting time too. So like, even if you're just like running away. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you run through a door, close it and cast the spell. And it's like, okay, now they have to. You know, now they have to make a hard lockpick check or something, you know? Sure, sure. So. Um, I recently started listening to the podcast Encounter This. Mm-hmm. It was recommended to me by uh, by one of our patrons, Peace Ray Pancakes. She's actually been recommending it for a very long time. And it's a very good podcast. I finally started listening to it, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, the hosts, they go through, like, they're not going in order. They're just kind of going in whatever order they feel like. But they cover, each episode, they cover a monster or a type of monster. And they talk about the stat block. They talk about the um, its history, its lore in the game. They talk about its real world lore that inspired it. It's pretty. It's a pretty good podcast. But one of the things that one of the hosts said when they noticed that I think it was one of the hags or something. They did several episodes worth of hags. They talked about how the spells that it had. One of the spells that it had was like I don't know, locate object or something. Mm-hmm. And this host was like. I am never going to have an NPC learn and cast locate object. If they need to know where an object is, they're just going to know where the object is. <laughs> so similarly, you know, so I've, there are four different spells, or I guess it's sorry, three, and then one of them is is for two things. So there's locate animals and plants, uh-huh. locate objects, and locate creature. For NPCs, I can definitely... I could definitely think never understand why someone would would give that spell to their NPC, similar mm. to what this host was saying, this host of this podcast was saying. Like, if I need an NPC to know where uh, an object is or a creature or whatever, they're just going to know. There are, again, exceedingly rare situations where it would need to be a, they cast the spell right now in order to know where the thing is right now. Right. I, maybe I could contrive a situation where that would happen, but I would never plan for that. Even though I feel like these spells theoretically should be useful for players, I've never seen a player take them or use them. Sure. 
um, the way I'd want to see it, like as a as a player, seeing it used by the DM, the way I'd want to see it because like yeah, you can just have it so like the enemy knows where a thing is. Sure. Um, but like as a player, I might wonder how did they know? How did they, how did they know to be here? Like you know, it's like you know, like the the bad guy's always a step ahead of you, like trope. Yeah. Um, it's like how how. You know, how are they doing this? Like, what what could we have done to maybe prevent this or something? Or like, you know, it's like, is there any is there any stretch of, you know, our skill that would have led us to get there first? Um, or is it just like the is it just like a railroady storytelling thing where it's just like, oh, the bad guy's just always a step ahead of you. We, there's nothing you can do about it because I wrote it that way. Sure. I think the way I'd want to see it is maybe because it's. It's hard to say, oh, they just, they knew, they knew uh, locate object. Oh, and that, that, that kind of, that feels kind of cheap. Yeah. Like just them knowing the spell, but like maybe the, maybe you, maybe the players come across a mostly used wand of locate object in their possession okay. or, some, okay. or something like that. Just to be like, oh, this is how he was tracking us or whatever. Sure. You know, so like, like a little the, bit of environmental storytelling. Exactly, yeah. And then it's okay. also a, now they have, now the players have this wand and can use it, you know, maybe maybe they will use the spell. In, you know, <laughs> maybe. You know. <laughs> Let's not get out of ourselves. Right, yeah. I'm not, yeah, not going to get too hopeful, but but yeah. I just like, you know, have, having something that explains, yeah, exactly. It's something that the players can find that explains why the the bad guy was, you know, got got to the castle before they did or you know mm-hmm. or like yeah got to the the long lost temple that only they knew about you know sure sure like, like they you know they they found the they found the long lost map that led them to the the deep buried dungeon that no one's been in before and oop there the bad guy is suddenly like yeah yeah oh my goodness the uncharted series of video games <laughs> is yes. so awful for that so like, just give all of them <laughs> Why yeah. every guy, every every uh, you know, mook with a gun in the Uncharted series, you just give them a wand of like locate creature or something. I don't know. Sure, sure. <laughs> um. Oh, uh, similar to um, illusory script. I forgot to mention. So, like other spells that are illusion based spells that are more defensive or whatever than than offensive. Um, magic mouth is a spell I have literally never seen used. What that is, is you cast the spell and then when a creature or whatever that you specify gets close to it, a mouth appears, either like just a disembodied mouth floating in the air, or you can cast on the statue and then the statue will start to talk and -hmm. it'll give like a pre-programmed message that you left. I think that's a neat idea, but again, I've never seen it used ever I feel like players especially aren't going to be like, ooh, let me cast a spell on this statue so that when a monster comes by, the statue will say something to them. I don't know. I, I <laughs> yeah. just, I don't ever see that. I don't ever see that situation coming up personally. Um, and then another similar spell is hallucinatory terrain, which is, it's basically just like a, it's an illusion spell that, you know, lets you affect your area, like the area around you. Again, I don't really see many situations where the players need to cast a spell that changes the terrain around them to, to hide something or to fool someone into doing whatever. I just don't see it coming up very often. Mm. That's one of those things that the the players should be coming across that. 
they come across this thing that's already set up. Yeah. You know, just because of how adventures tend to go. I think Mirage Arcane is another spell that functions similarly. So, yeah. So they're like this handful of illu- of like defensive illusion spells. I just don't ever see coming up. You know what I mean? Right. So as I was going through this list, I was mostly picking ones that I just think aren't as good as they as they should be. Sure. Um. So some of these like mage armor. Okay. Like people take it, obviously. Like it's mage armor. Yeah. But like I think. In 5th edition specifically, there are just so many other ways to get good armor and still be able to cast spells. True. And because it's not just like a flat bonus to your AC, it's like a 13, I think, plus yeah. your dexterity modifier. It's not very... It feels less good to me right. than it used to be. Yeah. I, you know I you know what I feel like it should be? What's that? It should be 13 plus your spell casting modifier. Ooh, I would take that. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's, I feel like that works better. Cause like, this isn't something that you can cast at a higher, like you can't cast this at a higher, uh, uh, spell slot to make it better either. Like it's just a first level spell. Yeah. One action duration, eight hours, 13 plus your dexterity modifier is now your AC. Hmm. And like, just be a turtle. I don't know. <laughs> like, sure. Turtles have 18 AC. Like just, just by standing up that morning, you know, like yeah. that. And then like, they can be a, you can be a total wizard. Do it. Sure. Do it. <laughs> be it. Do it. Do the turtles. Play all the, do the turtle. But yeah, either, either make it. So it like goes up like every two levels or something. It goes up by one or something. I don't know. Like have it, have it like, have you, be able to cast it at a higher level. Yeah. Or at the very least, I feel like instead of dexterity, you have it be your spell casting modifier. Just so like, I really like that. Cause you're going to be pumping into that anyway. And like, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that just that like, you know what in fifth edition, at least like what caster is going to want to like put a ton in their dexterity. Like, obviously yeah. you're going to want to have some, because that's the only way you're going to have AC without, you know, without having some sort of racial thing or, uh, or, or taking a feat or multi-classing, which again is like, there are plenty of ways to get good AC mm-hmm. that you like, there's, there's, you know, I mean like doing, doing, getting a feat, like you can, you can get armor proficiency or whatever. Yeah. And like, there's no, there's no arcane failure chance in fifth edition. So like right. if, if you have the proficiency, you can wear that armor and do anything like anything anybody else can do in it. So, yeah. Um, so like, I, yeah, like I feel like it's a, it is a spell that people are going to take and use, but I just, I don't think it's as good as it should be for how like, kind of like how big of like a staple it is. It's like, okay, like, yeah, you're a wizard. You don't have armor. You have a robe. Yeah how you're protecting yourself. I was like, okay, I'm going to use mage armor. Okay. Well, that's about as good as like, I don't know, some like cheap light armor. Sure. Um, that's like, I don't even know if it's that good. (laughs) It's like, and again, and again, you're not, you know, you're not as likely to put as many points into dexterity. So I just, yeah, I feel like that could be better. Sure. Um, I have a couple spells that I think it's not that the, the spells themselves are bad. It's just, for the type of, of games that I run and the games that I play in, I've 
they just very rarely get used. The first is Featherfall. Okay. Like, it's a good spell. I definitely know what its purpose is. I, it's got a very clear purpose, a clear, very clear use, but I can't remember the last time somebody actually used it. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe I just don't run games or play in games where falling <laughs> long distances is likely. Sure. I, it's, I I've, I've used it. I've had it used in, and like, I like that. It's like a reaction. Like, yeah, like that's really cool. Cause it's not something you have to like prepare ahead of time. It's, it's, it is a, oh crap, we're falling down, a, down a whatever, like every, you know, and then you just cast reaction and now everybody's fine. Sure. Um, you know, it's it, like, I like reaction spells because it's like, I, you know, I hate spending a spell slot. And it, yeah. and then it being a waste, you know, yeah. like I hate I spending a spell slot. And then like the, the, the thing you thought was going to happen didn't happen. Um, so being able to be like, all right, I, you know, I want to have this in my back pocket so that if we do fall down a pit or whatever, I got it ready to go. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had it on my list a few times, but again, I've never used it. Yeah. That, that I can remember. Maybe, maybe I did and I'm just forgetting about it, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, another spell similarly is long strider, long strider for a, the duration gives you a plus 10 feet to your speed. I think, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where that's been used. Um, what is, is it expeditious retreat? Yeah. Expeditious retreat is like the wizard version, I think. And it's better. Oh, it gives you the dash as a bonus action. Yeah. Okay. All right. Which is, you know, like rogues basically get that. And then, uh, monks eventually get that. I think too. Yeah. Some, some, some form of it. Um, so yeah, that's like, yeah, that's a good, that's good. Yeah. Cause you're, you're adding an extra, you know, 20, 30 feet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's better. Yeah. The, the plus 10, I guess I mean, it like, lasts longer. It lasts an hour, but still, I just, I don't ever see anybody use it because in situations where you would need a, uh, increase to your speed, you can't give it to the whole party. So right. maybe for one combat, but a plus 10 feet for one combat doesn't really strike me as that appealing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there is a use for it. Just I've never seen it used. <laughs> I've seen, <laughs> I've seen it used in a forum post of somebody trying to make the, um, the, the fastest uh, movement speed in the game. Sure. Like trying to calculate like, uh, like what, what is the fastest you can go? You can possibly go with, with just like with anything from like the core books and stuff. And I think that I think that added to it. I'm not 100 percent sure. I can't remember if there was. I'm sure it did. Yeah, there was something else. I think there's like, uh, like turning into a horse, and then like there's like hor- special horseshoes. <laughs> like there's like a there's like a magic item that are horseshoes that give your that give your mount like uh, that you know that can give a horse like animal mm-hmm. faster speed or something like that. So you can shape shift into a horse. And you get expeditious retreat cast on you and a bunch of ridiculous stuff like that to, just to get like as as fast as you possibly can go in one round. Yeah. Um, Animal Messenger is another spell I've just never seen anybody use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if I, I it's a lower level than sending, but I feel like any time that somebody's needed to send a message over a long distance, they've just found some way to access sending. Yeah. Yeah. Um find traps so yeah we um our social media question that we're gonna um that we got listener responses for uh somebody mentioned find traps and the thing about find traps is that it 
really, to me, it seems like it's a holdover from older editions. It isn't very good in 5th edition. It was pretty darn good in 3rd edition. Mm -hmm. Because before there were uh, restrictions on, like, you could only find traps over a certain DC if you were a rogue. Find traps, the spell, gave you a bonus and got rid of that limitation. Mm -hmm. And then in earlier editions, I think there wasn't even... Uh, there wasn't a check involved. You just, you could only find it if you were a rogue or if you were a, a thief. So right, yeah. I feel like the spell existed in earlier editions to overcome that very significant restriction. But in fifth edition, that's not really a thing. So it just makes a cleric better at finding traps, but they could Ooh. have already found, you know, it's, it's not, it's not nearly as strong or as worthwhile as it used to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's because it's a second level s- slot and it's not even like a you know where the trap is. It's just that you know that there's a trap nearby. Right. So like it, you know, which I mean like you could pretty easily deduce what I mean like if you're standing in front of a door and you cast sure. it, you're like, okay, the door is probably trapped. But it could be it could be the 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 floor in front of the door or the ceiling above the door or it could be the wall next to the door but not the door itself so like you go to check the door and oops you triggered the trap sure um yeah i just yeah i don't know but like it's something like again it's something that could be like solved with just a if you make a good enough skill check you didn't need to waste that second level spell slot yeah um bestow curse is a spell that i don't think i've ever seen a player use mm mm-hmm. mhm like, you know, I can understand as a DM, you, well, so I can understand a DM using it. However, I feel like most of the time when curses do get used, they are custom curses and not the ones given in the bestow curse spell. Sure. Yeah. That being said, some of the curses that are in the bestow curse spell are pretty significant. So I could understand a DM using those, but player wise, it's, it's one of those things like we've talked about with how I don't think that crits are very player uh beneficial because long-term effects don't really affect bad guys because once the battle's over the enemies are all dead right so similarly i feel like curse or like contagion or any other spell that gives a long-term malady to an npc is going to be mostly useless because it's probably only going to last until the end of the battle right yeah yeah, because it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna curse this cobalt that that's gonna die next round, you know? Right. Like, oh, oh no. So for the next 24 hours or whatever, this cobalt has a disadvantage on all attack rolls and skill checks. Oh, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> he's got, he's got a. There you uh, go. Yeah, he's got a disadvantage for sure. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> uh. So okay, there was a couple pairs of spells that like there's like a lower level and a higher level. Then they're they're, they're, they're kind of similar. Okay. Um. Let's see. So like fog cloud and stinking cloud. Okay. Yeah. Um, cause fog, fog cloud just basically makes a, you know, a cloud of fog that, that mm-hmm. just, it's hard to see through and that's about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be dispersed by wind. You know, it's a 20 foot radius. Stinking cloud is same thing, except for there is a chance that things within it, uh, like they have to make a constitution saving throw or they lose or they spend its action that turn retching and, and reeling. So like they, sure, yeah. they can, they can lose, a, they can lose an action while within the cloud, which is, you yeah. know, which is fine. Uh, but it like, for me, it's always justifying the spell, the spell slot. You know, it's always okay. justifying like the, the, like spending a third level spell slot on 
what mostly is being done by a first level spell because like other than them failing that constitution space save it's exactly the same and it's two levels higher yeah it's just obscuring mist at that point yeah so i mean like yes there is a chance that you know the th- things within it can lose an action but like that's yeah. i don't think it's something somebody's going to take because i think third level you're you're spending that spell, spell slot on like fireball yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody take Stinking Cloud or Fog Cloud in an actual game. Right. I've only I've used Stinking Cloud in a computer game because it was one of like four second level spells or whatever or whatever level it is. It was like one of four spells of that level that I could cast. So mm-hmm. I've used it in Curse of the Azure Bonds. I've never used it in an actual game. Right. Yeah. Like I've put fog cloud on my list several times, like for my character, but like, I don't think I've ever really used it. Yeah. Um, the other pair is grease and sleet storm. Okay. I've seen people use grease a good amount of times. It can, it can, you know, force like disadvantage and stuff on, on a a combatant. Yeah. Sleet storm. I don't think is good. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody use it. It puts out fires. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's a third level spell that is basically grease that puts out fires and adds a heavily obscured effect. Okay. That's it. So, so you're saying like uh, because grease, the lower level spell exists, yeah. you don't think uh, many people would take Sleet, Sleet Storm. Storm. And again, I didn't realize le- they did the same thing, to be perfectly honest. Third level is fireball level. Yeah. No one cares about anything else at third level. Like, well, but Jeff, you you got a spell that creates fires. You need a spell that puts out fires. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah. You need, yeah. To, yeah. You need to counter it. But yeah, no, it doesn't do da- like it's just it is it's twenty foot tall cylinder, forty foot radius. So maybe it's a bit bigger. Yeah. Ten foot square. Yeah. I mean, Greece is Greece is a bit smaller, but but uh. Heavily obscured, any exposed flames in the area are doused. The ground is covered with ice, making it difficult to drain when when, when a creature enters for the first time on their turn or starts their turn there. They must make a dexterity saving throw. On a fail, they fall prone. It's concentration up to a minute. Grease doesn't require concentration. Sure. Uh, And it's, it's a smaller area, but it is, again, a dexterity saving throw, and they fall prone. And it's mm-hmm. difficult terrain. So like it's practically the same thing. A couple extra, maybe a couple little extras, but I, I just, it does to me does not justify a third level slot. Sure. Um, have you ever seen anybody use a spell feign death? No, no, I, neither have I, I didn't <laughs> even realize it was a spell until today. I was looking through the list, uh, but it's on both. I think the bard list and the cleric list. Okay. <laughs> so it's there. It's like a fourth level spell, I think. Um, confusion is a spell that I've seen things that cause confusion used. I've never seen anybody actually use the confusion spell. I think this sure. is, a, again, just like debuffs on enemies don't really come up very often. And when I'm the DM, if if I am going to be running something, if I want the players to have a confusion effect, it's probably going to be from one of the many magic items or monster abilities or whatever that cause a confusion effect and not confusion the spell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. dream is another spell that I've never seen used because again that's more of like that's what the bad guys are doing to the players while the players are asleep if the yeah. players are able to know when the bad guys are asleep they're just going to kill them they're not going to cast dream right um, 
Gaius or Gesh or however it's spelled, G-E-A-S, that spell. Right. I've never seen anybody ever use this spell. Gesh. Because yeah. the whole, it basically it's a spell that you, you send someone on a quest and if they don't do it, they take penalties and eventually possibly die. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just, I've never needed to do that and I've never seen a player need to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a weird spell. I, okay. I understand why the spell would exist, especially from a historical standpoint, when maybe there would be players that, you know, we talked about last week, uh, players that just don't want to go on the adventure or whatever. I can understand being like, oh, okay. If you don't go on the adventure, uh, your character is going to die. <laughs> I can understand that. However, it's just, I feel like, what game are you playing in where that needs to happen? Yeah, you know what? I feel like if if the player didn't want to do that in the first place, you telling them, oh, I'm going to cast a spell on you that makes you have to do it. And you go yeah. like, all right, fine, I guess. Or you just go, <laughs> all right, I guess I'm going to leave the party. Then like, I don't care. Bye. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just um, a weird, a weird spell to exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with most of your list here, I am seeing uh, how this is tied into our next question, which I should have brought okay. up earlier. That's fine. Is, It'll be a uh, quick one. We're getting yeah, to the so, end of the episode, I think. So, so Sean M. asks on Facebook, what are some great spells for NPCs to have? And yeah. a good number of these spells are perfectly, <laughs> perfectly fine on NPCs. They're great sure. on NPCs, but like things like curse bestow curse and like the illusionary yep. stuff and like this and like all the like the glyph guarding stuff yeah like these are great for npcs for enemies for monsters for things that are within the dungeon but the player like there yeah there's a handful of spells that are just like why would a player ever take this yeah like just you know maybe they'd know it but they wouldn't prepare it you know Sure. Like they may, they maybe they'd want to have it just for story reasons. Like I can, like I can, I can see st- uh, characters that Steve has made, like, like definitely have this spell and use it on their like home base or something like that. But like, it's not something that he would have prepared on the adventure. Yeah, you know, it would be something he'd have that maybe we would be used in like a side side quest or something. Something that would come up later or come up come up in a cycle quest or something like that. But yeah, like you're not gonna you're not gonna put uh you know, you're not gonna set up like a ton of traps in a dungeon that doesn't belong to you. Sure. Um Yeah, I don't know. Uh other spells that go good for NPCs are are ones that are but that you know, I can see players using but are a bit more situational. Things like purify poison, um, or like purify yeah. food food and drink or whatever. Yeah. Um, or like create food and drink, that kind of thing. These are like things that are like uh, like a friendly NPC could have. Um, sure. That like you know the 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 players come across a you know, uh, they're trying to find a place to hide or something. Or no, there's like backgrounds in fifth edition that like are specifically like people are more likely to help you out and give you shelter or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. And like like yeah. those kind of NPC like NPCs like that would be great to like like give them something like a spell like that where they can be like, Oh, and here's some food. I don't know. Just in general with NPCs and spells, I, I just think it's always better to have the NPC spells be things that are, uh, you know, buffs and healing, like just stuff that's going to make the players feel cooler rather than just to have the enemy. Oh, the enemy, the, the NPC shot a fireball, the NPC disintegrated the bad guy or whatever. 
those can be cool. I'm not saying that there's no place for that, but just in general, I think that as a as a, a goal, you should have your NPCs be more in the background, maybe do some right. prep and then just hang back. I don't know. Just do 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 prep and and buffing rather than taking a big active part in the battle because the more the more the npc is doing the more the dm has to do and the dm already has a lot of stuff on their plate right yeah i definitely have them take more of a support role um, yeah so like a lot of out of combat stuff the, the locate object and such i could see that as like an npc mm-hmm. spell suite you know yeah yeah did you have any more uh spells um uh, just a couple more i guess uh regenerate is a healing spell that also regenerates limbs but I feel like nobody ever loses limbs. I mean, it can, it can happen, but right, I've never yeah. seen anybody take this spell for that purpose. Sure. Uh, anti-life shell. It's okay. like anti-magic, you know, anti-magic zone or whatever, but it forces living creatures out of it. Sure. So no living creatures can get within, you know, what, in, what PC is casting that. But I, I, I guess I've seen NPCs cast it, but only when those NPCs are like a lich or something with like mm. a bunch of, Undead or constructs that can move freely. Uh, reverse gravity. Yeah. Cool okay. idea for a spell. Never seen it used. Sure. Uh, sequester. Sure. Um, which one is sequester? I saw that in the list, but I didn't look it up. Sequester is like you basically, it is, it is duration until dispelled. Uh-huh. It is, it is like you hide a thing. Oh, okay. Okay. For a very long time. Like, gotcha. Like, the I think example, I was confusing that with imprisonment in my head. Sure. Yeah, that's another one. That's another one. Um, but it's, yeah, something becomes invisible and can't be targeted by div- divination spells or perceived through scrying sensors created by divination spells. Sure. If it's a creature, it falls into a state of suspended animation. Time ceases to float for it and it doesn't grow and it doesn't grow older. Um, and then you, you, you set a condition in which it is like brought out of that state. Okay. Um, examples given are after a thousand years or when the Tarrasque awakens. Okay. Okay. I mean, I like that. Yeah. I like, I've like seen it used, but I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 5,000 GP. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's a limiting factor right there. Um, and then I've just got one more. It's a big daddy and that is wish. Okay. I've, I've only ever seen it cast from, uh, like a, Ring of Three Wishes. I've never seen anybody actually use it. I've seen people use Miracle, which was the, you know, the third edition cleric version. Right. But I don't think I've ever actually seen anybody cast Wish. I've only seen Wish or Miracle used to emulate a different spell. Sure. Which is like, and that's usually one of the, like, that's the easy way to use the, the those spells is like, rather than like wishing for something obscure that the DM can then do a monkey's paw too. Yeah. Um, you could just be like, okay, I, I can cast up to eighth level spells, whatever spell I want. Boom there. Yeah. I just, I just want to cast this one spell. Yeah. Um, I've actually, so the, the, the reason I think nobody takes wish or nobody uses wish is because of that monkey's paw thing. I think that most people are too afraid that something bad is going to happen to ever actually use it, which if that's, if that's the, the truth, I think that the wish has failed. I think that if, if your fear of the monkey's paw causes you to never engage in the monkey's paw, then I think the monkey's paw has failed as a monkey's paw. Um, <laughs> I actually have an idea. Toss this out there as a way to change wish. 
you can use wish to do like, okay, so you can use wish to you, you know, emulate another spell, whatever you can do that if you want to. But if you use wish for anything beyond that, you can do it and it works. It does whatever you cast a spell for. However, you just can never cast wish again after that. It will do literally anything once and then you lose access to the spell. Right. I know that Wish has something sort of like that. Anytime you use Wish for something beyond whatever, there's a chance that it will, but then there's also the chance that it won't do what you wanted it to do because of the whole monkey's paw thing. I'm proposing there is no monkey's paw. Wish won't blow up in your face unless you do something horribly, horribly wrong. But so you can do literally anything, anything campaign shattering if you want to, but you can do it one time and then never, ever again. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I, don't, I haven't play tested this, obviously, but I'm just curious how that would stack up if people would ever use that and, you know, take that and use it. Because I get it. A DM doesn't want somebody to get to 17th level and then just be like, oh, I want to be the ruler of the universe or whatever. But then what? You know, <laughs> like, like what, what if they did? Right. And then what if... What direction is the campaign going to go now? Now is that player, is is that PC now a god and is not actually part of the party anymore? Okay, that player just wrote themselves out of the campaign. Yeah, the, the yeah the player just disap the character just disappears and everybody goes everybody goes huh all right and then moves on. Yeah, so I I, don't, I I feel like that would be I still feel like a lot of the time it wouldn't get used, but I don't know. I feel like that would be be preferable to, well, I'm just never going to use this spell because some DMs have it in their head that no matter what I do with it, it should blow up in my face. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. So just throwing that idea out there. We haven't really been saying too much about how to how to make the spells usable or whatever, or like how to make them so that more people will use them. But that that's the idea I've been kicking around with Wish is no let it do literally anything but then it's gone yeah and i would i would even say get rid of rings of three wishes sure yeah i like, mean don't, don't have it be a thing you can buy or, or right whatever. yeah you can't just buy yeah you just can't go down to the market and also like a genie or something isn't going to give you a wish because you know unless it's like a very very important because then they can never cast wish again or sure something. i don't know yeah I don't know. or maybe they die if they cast wish or something yeah maybe 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 that's what Wish does. You you can use it to do literally anything, but then you die. Sure. I don't know. I wish I could never die. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know. So, did you have any others? Um, No, I don't think so. No, I think that's all of them. Okay. All right. I think that'll do it for our questions for today, or at least our, our regular questions. We do still have our social media questions, and we didn't get very many responses. I'm actually kind of surprised. Oh. Um, so our last social media question was, in your opinion, what is the most useless or overrated spell in D&D? Uh, do you recall if you had an answer? <laughs> um, I, I think I immediately went for, for True Strike. Uh, yeah, True Strike is pretty bad. But but I think I, I, I said I was going to come up with something other than True Strike. And I think I think what I'm going with is is uh, Identify. Is, is just, sure. I, I, like, again, because of that mechanic. Yeah, fair enough. And, and it's like this is just pointless. It's silly. <laughs> yeah, I think I I know I think I said um, prayer of healing just because it's a it's a healing spell that takes ten minutes to cast that is 
terrible con- compared to other healing spells that are meant to be used out of combat. Sure. Um, I think I would also say fine traps. Fine traps is pretty bad in this edition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot, as we said, there's a lot of spells that are either very bad or just not usable. Right. Uh, so we did not get any responses on Facebook, which is kind of a surprise. Also did not get any on Twitter. It's less of a surprise <laughs> on Reddit. We got a couple, uh, Alistar the Minotaur says, I find that a lot of the great D and D YouTube minds love the cleric spell aid. I find it really underwhelming. An extra five hit points is nominally useful at third level when you get the spell and clerics have access to so many better spells at, a, at higher levels that I can't ever justify upcasting it to get more out of it, even though it lasts eight hours and isn't concentration based. If I recall, that's the one that increases your hit point total. I think. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Which can be good, but also can be bad because then when the spell ends, you lose those. It's like the whole barbarian conundrum that third edition had where you might be down so many hit points while in rage that if you drop out of rage, you will immediately fall unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not saying that necessarily five hit points is going to make or break the game, but it's, it's just a weird, I just feel like it would have been better if you, you didn't, you lost it from your max. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Arcanist Winterbrand says, hands down the most useless spell in fifth edition, easy, find traps. It's a second level spell that only tells you if a trap is present, but not its exact location and what effect it might have. Most adventuring parties would simply make a check if they were uncertain of any danger. I know an investigation check can fail, but even still, why does this spell even exist? Only in a trap focused adventure or dungeon would you take this, but really you should just play a rogue. And yeah, I totally agree. In earlier editions, it could let the cleric function as a rogue on top of all the other things clerics were fantastic at. But in 5th edition, yeah, it's uh, it's just not just not great. No. Um, and then uh, L. Jahuay says Augury. Mm. No, other, no other text, just Augury. So Augury... It was the magic eight ball of spells. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It, it you you it's a divination spell. You pose a situation and then it tells you basically good, bad, good and bad, or nothing. Right. And then if you cast <laughs> Ask it. Ask again multiple... later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then if you cast it multiple times uh after the in, in a twenty four hour period, you uh there's a chance that it'll give you a, a false result. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand, I could see someone taking that spell, but yeah, it's, it's very lackluster Mm. because, especially because of how it works, it doesn't guarantee that anything good or bad is going to happen to you. It might say good because there is a big treasure coming up and not because of some, you know, some other, the thing that's guarding the treasure, the other thing is guarding it, I guess. Maybe that would say good and bad anyway. So that was everybody on Facebook over on discord. We got a few Dustin says, wish you rarely get to the high level enough to cast it. And there are so many caveats and restrictions. Should you manage to line everything up to cast it at its full power and change the universe? You are most likely ending the game. So all the buildup and you are likely to only cast it once. And yeah, if, if you use wish, even with the way that I was suggesting, if you use wish to do something that's going to break the campaign, you're doing so knowing that you're just ending the game. So I feel like most players wouldn't even do it in that case. Right. Yeah. Maybe they would. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but in my experience, I guess, 
Uh, Debrasaur says, true strike. Unless you're an arcane trickster rogue, setting up right before combat actually happens. It's completely useless. Wizards, please buff. <laughs> uh, Lone Wolf Nate says, overrated spell. I haven't used many to have much experience, but the ones I have used, I'd say dete- detect traps or find traps. I forget which it's called. And yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Autumn Wind says, Fireball has got to be one of the most overrated spells. Fire damage is commonly resisted, including Tieflings, Fire Genasi, some Dragonborn and Sorcerers as well for PC options. And it's a dex save. Dex is rarely a dump stat because anyone without heavy armor needs it for AC, and it's useful in general. Rogues and Monks also get a class feature that reduces the damage of effects that force a dex save. That's a good point. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not, that's not invalid. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's a, it's a signature spell. It does a lot of damage, but you're right. There's a lot of things that can, especially because of fifth edition, it like, you know, resistance is just like half damage. Yeah. So a lot of things have fire resistance. Um, And then actually, sorry, Autumn Wind did add another thing that I think is, is worth reading. Uh, If true strike is so easy, what are some runners up? I think probably something like magic mouth, continual flame and legend lore. All have a GP component, which are consumed. Legend lore is the only high-level spell of the three, but it can be replaced by a strong history check. As much as it pains me to potentially miss out on some sweet, sweet lore, just have a wizard with proficiency or someone else with expertise. Continual Flame? I love spells with permanent effects, but you can get that with a light cantrip or mundane means of illumination long enough to get what you need done. And Magic Mouth? It's cool ambiance and all, but it's really a glorified note. Finally, dishonorable (laughs) mention... Rope trick. A safe short rest is neat, but most classes really need a long rest. It is most useful in mid-combat, but if you have to use it, I would think the enemies could wait you out. I love rope trick, though. Rope trick is one of those spells that it's so weird. Yeah, it really is. You know, I yeah, I can't really get behind rope trick, but everything else I I 100% agree with. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Peace Story Pancake says, I feel like True Strike has been put in as a prank. Like, I don't know why you would waste a spell slot on that. Definitely the most useless spell. Then she realized that she thought it was a first level spell. She said it's a cantrip. Uh, well, it's not a waste of a spell slot, but I guess it's a waste of a known cantrip slot. There are so many good cantrips. True Strike is not among them. Right. And yeah, uh, in my opinion, it's worse than wasting a spell slot. Right. <laughs> True Strike in Pathfinder 2nd Edition is a first level spell, and it's actually good. <laughs> yeah, what does it do? Well, because the way that actions work in Pathfinder 2nd Edition is like everybody, you have three actions mm-hmm. that you can spend, but like different things take different amounts of actions. So like normally a spell takes two actions to cast, yeah. but some spells only take one. So the true spell, the true strike spell is a first level spell, takes one action to cast, and it gives you it gives you advantage on your next attack roll or, or, or skill roll or whatever. Basically your next like D20 roll gets advantage, which advantage isn't a thing that normally happens in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Sure, yeah. Like, it doesn't say advantage. It says you roll two dice and take the better of the two. Right. But Which is what advantage is, but, like, that's like that's a thing that doesn't, you know, there's what not... What if it did? It was just like, check the 5th edition <laughs> player's right, handbook yeah. for details. Yeah, check out check out this other game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it effectively gives you advantage, but then also lets you ignore the flat DC checks that you have to make uh, for things that are, like, concealed or okay. hidden. So like if there's something like hiding in the shadows and you want to shoot an arrow at it, sure. Like you you get advantage on your attack and you're ignoring the flat DC check you have to make to hit something that's hidden that's like hidden in the shadows. 
So like yeah. you're you are really likely to hit that thing. Like you know, and it kind of you know it costs you a spell slot and one action, but you can you know you you still have you can still like use your next two actions to move and attack. You know. Yeah. So like it's it, you know for for that system like it it works really well and it's yeah you know, I feel I feel like that's worth a first level spell in in a lot of situations. I feel like in third edition, True Strike did negate uh, um, concealment. I, yeah, that's possible. But it doesn't in fifth edition. That's weird. Nope, it just gives you advantage on your next turn. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That's lame. Like you can't even use it in the same turn. <laughs> like if because like even if you had a way to cast a, both a cantrip and a spell or or whatever. Sure. Or like do a cantrip and attack or something for, for however you'd be able to do that. Yeah. Um you can't do it in the same turn. <laughs> yeah, we so we got one more one more response on Discord and that's from Black Magus 2651 and he says, "I have to agree with True Strike. I however do change it for my games. I allow it to be cast as a reaction like the shield spell. However, they must make a concentration check of 15 to do it." So I'm wondering if that's if you attack and miss. Hmm. You can make a check in order to cast it as a reaction. Sure, and you get like a second roll, basically. Yeah, if that's the case, though, in fifth edition at least, I think that that it, it it it's a bit too powerful because it's a cantrip. So you're you're basically every round gonna yeah. be making if if for no other reason than the fact that every round you're gonna be making three attack rolls per attack, right? You know, because you're you're gonna make the concentration check and then you're gonna make the the two attack rolls. And so three rolls to make one attack is I, I could see someone not wanting to go with that just for that purpose alone. But if it was a spell slot, I would I would be fine with a first level spell that you can, as a reaction, just give yourself advantage if you've missed an attack. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So anyway, that'll do it for our uh, last social media question. Our next social media question is... Who is the most memorable shopkeeper your character has ever met? And this is another social media question that was submitted by Arcanist Winterbrand. So, yeah, have you ever met any memorable shopkeepers? Um, I guess not memorable enough. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have either. I'm sure I have, and I'm sure that they were played by Chris. Dang. (laughs) But sure. (laughs) <laughs> but I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'll see if I can think of one by the next time, by the time we answer this question. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to give it some thought, so. but I can't think of anybody. Yeah. Shopkeeper specifically. I, I, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I remember that I was running a game. There was a, an NPC shopkeeper in the age of worms campaign that it was in the book. So I didn't make it up, but Part of this guy's shtick was that he was like a rival shopkeeper with the guy that that owned the business next door. But the twist was the players didn't know this, but the, the secret twist was that he actually was the rival shopkeeper from next door. Yeah. He would put on a disguise whenever he would go and work in the other shop. And right. He would like, yeah drum up business by getting people to go sabotage his other business. And then that guy would get, people to sabotage the other business and then <laughs> right you know. yeah so i guess that's i guess that's fun sure yeah i i i feel like i remember you talking about that guy yeah i i think he only came up in a one-on-one session i had with steve sure so yeah I'm, i don't think the rest of you guys got to got to meet him so yeah um that'll do it for our questions for today thank you everybody who answered uh responded to the social media question 
So before we close out, let's wind down. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> let's remember those who have come before us as we toss another log onto the funeral pyre. Today's funeral pyre was submitted by Weird Eidolon via Reddit. And this is a short one. Gorgons have treasure in their bellies. <laughs> I think we can extrapolate that now <laughs> Gorgons have some adventurers in their bellies. Yeah, more treasure. <laughs> yep. I think so. Actually, here's the thing. Uh, Gorgons are one of those monsters that like clearly in, to some extent they're they're taken from folklore and such. But in a real weird fashion, because in Greek mythology, Gorgons were the type of creature that Medusa was. Like Medusa wasn't a race of beings; it was one. It was one named being. Yeah. And Medusa was a Gorgon. However, right. in D and D, they've made the race of beings Medusas, and then Gorgons are something completely different. Right. Although they both petrify. They do both petrify, so they've got to be connected somehow. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it is one of those. It's so weird. They're, the gorgons are like these like metallic cows. Yeah, these big metallic bulls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like have like a steam breath weapon that can pre like that can par that petrify you into stone. Yeah, At, like yeah, that's one of those wild things. It's like it's it has this one similarity to what gorgons actually are in folklore, but then nothing else is the same. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's real weird. So. Uh, yeah, like yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where somebody just like misunderstood what they were supposed to be. Like they didn't understand the the, the homework, and they were like, I don't know. It's like, all right, all right, make make the gorgon. Uh, like you know, you you design the gorgon. Okay, cool. All right, here I designed the gorgon. It's a it's a it's a big metallic bowl, and they're like, no, <laughs> gorgons are the things that turn you into stone. Oh, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll fix that. Yes, Come yes. back the next day. All right, it's a big metallic bowl that can turn you into stone. <laughs> that's that's probably pretty accurate, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're like, no, it's what Medusa is. It's like, oh no, I've already made Medusas. <laughs> Yep. Uh, yeah, so I guess let's raise a glass in memory of Weird Eidolon's unnamed character. As we say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and the treasure is in the stomach of the Gorgon. <laughs> Clink. Clink. I guess. All right, that'll do it for today. To submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook. We're on Reddit. We're on our Interparty Discord. We're on Twitter at InPartyConflict. Check those out for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on the podcatcher of your choice. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you want to support the show monetarily, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. We have a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where you can play video games. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, Frank, you can. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. We'll go for it and give it a try. Uh, YouTube is... Sorry? FriendQuest is a... <laughs> FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where you can watch us play video games. 
There you go. Also head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show, what you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games courtesy of the great people over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So Jeff, until next time, I wish this episode was over. Now you can never cast Wish again. No! Dogs butts. Spank, spank. Because Jeff has a dog too.